Hey everybody, today we are in Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verse 29, and we are going to finish out with verse 30, we're going to touch on that, and let verse 30 be kind of an intro into the rest of the chapter. Um, here's what Romans 8:29 says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So in our last session, we talked about how all things work for good for those who love the Lord. That includes all the brokenness of creation and the brokenness in our own lives, the troubles that we encounter in life. And today in verse 29, I think we can see how all the brokenness Paul's been talking about is conforming us to be a better resemblance of Jesus. And uh, also today's passage might be a little tough. It, it has to do with election. Uh, I think all believers agree that election is real and it's true in the Bible, but we may interpret it a little different trying to understand what election really is. <laughs> it's interesting how uh, verse 28 is like one of the most often quoted verses in the Bible. And then verse 29 is one of the most often avoided. <laughs> but we will touch on it today. Of course, books have been written on it. Verse 29, he begins or, or rather continues weaving the idea of election into this chapter. He actually begins in verse 28 when he says how all things work together for the good for those love the Lord for those who are called and that word called is a, a part of, of the working of verse 29 and then verse 30. So yes I think verse 29 is avoided much of the time because of the way it's interpreted. It's, it's kind of controversial but no matter how you look at it I think we can enjoy thinking about it and pursuing uh, the truth in the scripture that God has for us. Anyway, I'll make a case for my view on it, and honestly, it's a work in progress. My view has changed dramatically over the years, and I, I used to kind of avoid pondering about verses like today's. But once I begin to seriously pursue the truth about election, it's like turned into a journey of joy, which is still in progress. So, so don't stress out. <laughs> Remember, as believers, we're all on the same page, and that we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. We have nothing to boast or brag about in ourselves. It's all Jesus. He gets all the glory. And uh, at the end of the day, after we ponder these things, we don't have to understand everything. We can place everything we don't understand into uh, the hands of our Heavenly Father. Uh, it's one of the perks of being a child of God. Okay, let's begin. Romans 8.29 again. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So like I said, this is tough and I, I do want to set it up a little bit more because it, it will be a part of the, the rest of the chapter. And one reason I think it's tough because we have trouble rectifying these various truths about the character of God, truths that on the surface seem to disagree with one another. Uh, with our limited understanding of God as humans, uh, we sometimes have trouble connecting all the dots. There's a lot of truths that we might not be able to wrap our minds around. And we get to trust, though, 
the author of life with these truths. So that's great. So, for example, things like how can God be not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance? That's 2 Peter 3 9. And yet, He can predetermine some to be His people and, and others not. Why would God choose whomever He will not base on our goodness? And yet, at the same time, we're 100% responsible to Him. All these things are just uh, hard to wrap our minds around. How can it be that only those He chooses will come to Him, and yet whosoever will may come? So when we feel like two truths are in conflict, what do we do? We usually try to resolve them by reinterpreting one or the other to fit our own predisposition. Yeah, if we knew all truth, we'd be able to see how these things actually really hold hands and, and work together in perfect harmony. So that's a part of my journey in Christ, understanding Him and knowing His character. And uh, I want to do that more and more. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as I see more of His glory, He transforms me. And so uh, Philippians 2.12 talks about how we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So that, that's our journey to, to, to see more of the glory of Christ, even when it's hard to wrap our minds around some things. And we may not ever understand these things for sure all the way until we are with Him. Okay, for sure, that's the end of the intro. Let's get started with the first part of verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So to foreknow, here it, mean, it means simply to know in advance, right? Straightforward. And Paul uses the word those, uh, for those whom he foreknew. So it is, he's not talking about everyone, but about specific individuals that God knew in advance. I think pretty forthright, simple so far. Then Paul connects the foreknowing and the specific people to the verb predestined. And the Greek word for predestined um, can only be defined in a narrow way. It carries with it the ideal of being foreordained, predetermined, uh, marked out beforehand. It can also mean to set boundaries or limits in advance. So, so God knew a specific people, certain people beforehand, and he marked them out in advance to become an image bearer of his son. That meaning seems to be very clear to me. But still there's this question, right, that seems to linger in the air. Is Paul saying God knew beforehand? those who would choose Christ, and he predestined them to be conformed to Christ based on their own choice. You know, God could do that if he wanted to, right? I mean, or did God foreknow those he would choose in Christ? I think that's the question. Looking at it from like a literary uh, standpoint, the, the laws and rules that guide us in, in language, uh, there's nothing in the verse or surrounding the verse that seems to imply or give any implication that 
We are the ones who choose Christ. Paul's very specific about who is doing the foreknowing and, and the predestining. He says, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So still, though, I mean, it's hard for us to rectify this, knowing how God's not willing that any should perish. We might think, well, Paul may have meant that God predestined those he knew in advance would choose Christ of their own volition. So I was thinking, um, as far as seeking out truths in, in life, I recalled how in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New, Moses and, and Paul and even Jesus talked about discerning truth concerning charges made against people that were accused of doing something wrong, right? They, they cannot be found guilty, the Bible talks about, except by two or three witnesses. I mean, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 19, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, certain in verse 1 even, and then Matthew 18, 16 also. So that's the cool thing about discerning truth in the Bible. We can find a ton of other scriptures that serve as witnesses to help us solidify the context of, of many texts. And this text for sure. So let's look at a few passages. Um, Ephesians 1.4 Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So that goes along with what we've been talking about. That we should be holy and blameless before him. <laughs> that goes along with what we've been talking about. To be conformed to the image of his son. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So in Ephesians, uh, we see this kind of picture of how God chose us for adoption. We've been talking about adoption in Romans chapter 8 earlier, right? And so this picture is not hard to visualize. I mean, today even, many people choose an infant for adoption. And the baby doesn't choose their parents, but the parents chooses the baby, right? And Jesus refers to all believers as being born again. So in that way, we come to Christ as the youngest of all infants, as true babies. Even before we became babies in Christ, we were chosen by God before the foundation of the world and predestined for adoption. It was God who chose us. Here's another witness verse. Um, John 15:16. Jesus said, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So notice the similarities. God chose us to be conformed to the image of his son, to go and bear fruit. All right. So that we might look like Jesus. Here's another Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his pleasure, uh, his good pleasure. So God chose us uh, for his pleasure, right? And our working good deeds are an example of us conforming to the image of his son. So these things are all lining up together. Um, still, some may say that, hey, God does a lot in our salvation, yes, but we still had to have faith, right? We had to believe. Uh, yes, that's very, very true. But even this is not born in us or by us. 
I mean, for our faith to be in Christ, that can only happen because God opens our eyes to see that Jesus is the greatest treasure in the world, that he's worth putting our, our faith into. Not everyone receives that grace to see Jesus as beautiful. So uh, when we come to him, um, we have nothing to boast about. I mean, it was God who sought us out. So yes, we have to believe, but even that is from God. So, like I said, this text can be quite difficult because we have trouble rectifying what we know for certain about the character of God. In our knowledge base, there are these dots that we feel need to be connected, uh, but they're missing. So guess what? We, we get to trust God with those dots. We can still see the picture. Uh, but Paul has told us in Philippians that um, even our will and our work is God who is working in us. Paul says it differently a little bit in Romans chapter 9, verse 16. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So there we see again the will and the work. And then Paul, he gives us this testimony about how God worked in his own life. Um, even predestining him before he came to be. And then at the right time, showing him the beauty of Jesus. So here's what he said in Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. And then it goes on. <laughs> I think this goes along with everything we've been saying. Uh, only when God reveals Jesus as the greatest treasure in the universe <laughs> is our will unbound. It becomes free will. And we choose him. We're free to choose Jesus. And the, the thing is, I think mankind always chooses what they, they think is the best treasure. I mean, if you take drugs, you think, well, you know, nothing else is important. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, get high on this or that. That's what's important. That's the best treasure to me. No matter what we choose, I think it, we're choosing what we see as the best treasure at the time. And when we see Jesus, wow, when God shows us his beauty and how he's good news of great joy, then we choose him. But we do that because of him. It's, it's, he gets all the glory, as we've said before. Here's another verse um, that Paul wrote in Colossians, chapter 1, verse 29. And I think you can see these two stances that we've talked about today. Um, working hand in hand in harmony, our responsibility along with um, God's choosing us both, right? Here's what it says. Paul says, For this I toil, he's working, right? Struggling with all his energy. <laughs> he's using God's energy. That he powerfully works within me. So Paul is working, but it's God working in him. Then in Philippians 3.12, Paul gives us more comprehension of God's work in him. Here's what he says, 
Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So these two things are walking in harmony. So God's work in Paul and you and I begins the transforming process in our life and it carries through to the end. So that all the ways of God, his character, his attributes, they are becoming our own. We see this this kind of, of harmony between God's will and our own will that is coming in line with his. So he's shown us the truth and the truth has, has made us free, free to believe in him. He set our will free. Here's another passage you might be familiar with, and we will close here pretty soon. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is the same as our passage in in Romans chapter 8. It's not our own doing. God chose us before the foundation of the world that we might be conformed to the image of his son. So that's what Ephesians 2.8 has just said through 10. Okay, to close out our session today, uh, let's look briefly at the last half of today's text. And I'll read the whole verse together. Okay, one more time. Romans 8, 29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So we're predestined to bear the image of Jesus, right? Uh, That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So what might Paul be talking about? So I'm just like thinking here, um... We know Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's, he was perfect. He lived a righteous life. Um, he never sinned once that he might give his righteousness to all who believe in him so that we might have a positional righteousness before God. And in John 14:9, Jesus told Philip that whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So uh, when we see Jesus in Scripture, we're seeing and we're reading about God, right? And when God shows us how Jesus is good news, uh, God is being revealed to us. So today's verse, uh, Jesus is the, the firstborn among many brothers. And we know Adam was another kind of a firstborn, right? Among many brothers. I mean, he sinned and death passed like from him to all his brothers, all his descendants. 1 Corinthians 15 explains it really good, I'd say, how um, Jesus is a different kind of firstborn among many brothers, a better a better firstborn, a better Adam, right? Uh, I think he calls Jesus the last Adam. Let me just read that. Um, verse 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 49. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. 
The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Today's verse said, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So, all those who are in Adam die, right? But those who become brothers of Jesus, they live through the spirit of life that we talked about earlier in Romans chapter 8. So, I think it helps if we don't try to separate uh, the thought Paul is making in this last part of verse 29 from the first part. They're connected. They go together. We're predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And Jesus is the firstborn among us human beings, right? That the firstborn that is perfect and righteous. So God wants us to conform to him and have the attributes and the mannerisms of God. We're adopted into his, his family, right? We're his brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're, we're, our, we're supposed to have this new mindset, a family mindset. Uh, it's similar to what uh, 1 Corinthians 15 said, remember? It said uh, in verse 49, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So uh, positionally, like I said, we, we're righteous. We have the righteousness of Jesus upon our lives. He, he was condemned for us on the cross. And, and there's, there's no condemnation for us. But practically, we are a work in progress and God is conforming us, even through the brokenness of the world, to bear the image of his son. So, so today, in closing here, uh, we've been talking a lot about, well, the predestined part of verse 29. But no matter what you think about its meaning, its context, please don't let it overshadow the object of the why. God predestined us to to be conformed to the image of his son. And now, as an adopted child of God and to the best family in the universe, we are to let Jesus be the firstborn, right? In, in the spirit world, who is perfect and righteous. Be our example as, as we become like him. And he's making his own principles and, and his characteristics our own. So through the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that, that raised him from the grave, right? It's going to transform our lives, and it is transforming our life, and it will raise us from the grave one day to be with him, incorruptible forever. So he's the firstborn among many brothers. He's the elder. He's, he's our leader and, and our example to follow after. Finally, the, the lead verse for our next session is Romans 8.30. It goes right along with what we've been talking about. But it also connects us to everything else he's going to talk about. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Remember we talked about 
how everything works together for the good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose, right? In verse 28, right? So that's when he first started this. So, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So there is this crescendo that's been building ever since verse 1. And the grand finale, we're going to be looking at a little later. In fact, it's possible we'll finish out Romans chapter 8 because Paul's been like building, like I said, on all the graces he's given us in broken world. He's promised us so much more to come. It's really going to be amazing, and I hate to break it up. So we'll see how that goes. Pretty awesome, uh, the love that God has for us. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, forgive us where we fail you. Open our eyes to see more of your glory. Thank you for for choosing us and for conforming us to the image of your Son, for your work in our lives. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.